0: Hello, it's another Thursday. Yeah, it's Thursday. And uh, this is the We March On with Stephen Tom Pod, the unofficial Southampton podcast in partnership with the Believe Podcast Network, scraping the barrel of content on a weekly basis in the uh, lower echelons of the Apple podcasting world, soon to be relegated from the. <laughs>
1: You've started strong.
0: You've started really strong, and I've really enjoyed this so far. Similarly to uh, what we talk about on a weekly basis, uh, that is Southampton FC, and I am Steve Forbes, joined once again by Tom Deakin. Was that too dour?
1: No, I think it was um, it was on the money. I think sometimes when you're doing any show, podcast, or you're writing, or you're just doing anything for someone else to enjoy that content, you have to reflect how they're feeling. And I think you've hit the nail on the head there. And talking of nails, um, it is looking more and more like um, if you were to put them in a coffin that in is Southampton, isn't yeah, it?
0: Yeah, I did say on our last episode that it was almost like the Sharpie marker for where the where the nail had to go was drawn from the previous week and and after the Palace game, the uh, the hammer was out and it fully knocked that one in in my opinion Um, we'll get we'll get to uh, the matches in a sec Tom Um, yeah Steve I just
1: I'm curious um, have you ever had an operation because they write on your body before you go into surgery as well yeah uh, which I I always find very stressful (laughs) surely that should be in the notes why are we writing on my leg (laughs) I've had one
0: operation in my life funnily enough similar uh, the same operation that you've had um, unless you've had multiple Uh, yeah a a little reduction (laughs) yeah We found that out a couple of months ago, um, that we both had in hernias. Um, and I had to have that, uh, operated on when I lived near Croydon. I think it was at, at Croydon hospital. Mm-hmm. And, um, and yeah, you go in and they say to you, we, they ask you which side it is. And part of me wants to go, well, surely you should know. Yeah. Like okay. you should, you should know which side it's, it's on. So you have to tell them which side it's on. And you, as you're right, yeah, they get a little Sharpie out and they, they basically mark here. So they don't. I don't know. Cut the opposite side of you open, which
1: which worries me. Just as the anaesthetist comes in and sends you to sleep, and you're like, just double check that that uh, sharpie mark. I feel like Southampton have been marked now after the Crystal Palace game, uh, which I know we will get to. But um, no, I ju- I, can I just say to everyone listening, mm. Steve and I as you know, Steve, went for a little walk yesterday in good old St. Catherine's Hill. I kept calling it Catherine's Hill uh, to Georgie, my other half, and she said it's a St. Catherine's Hill. So I decided to just change it to SCH, which really annoyed her uh, throughout the whole story. We had a lovely dog walk day, didn't we, Steve? And um, and I feel like our relationship went to another level uh, when your dog... uh, Got excited by a swan, and you uh, passed me your poo bag, and I think that's <laughs> that's a real sign of of a, a, like a relationship when you are willing to hand your dog's poo to your friend, and they accept it, and I didn't even question it. That's that's well, how tight I we think are now. it's
0: not even on me. I think that's on you because you were you willingly were like, yep. But the thing is, it was almost it was unconscious, right? Because. I thought I could see a swan in the distance and I probably should have put Mabel back on her lead because I know what she's like. And I thought, well, maybe it's not. So I carried on going and we were busy chatting. And then I saw her go under that little fence and do the kind of like lion stalk. And I was like, oh no, she's going to go for this bloody swan. I don't like swans anyway. Like sue me. Um, and, uh, I shouted at her. It was a very, um, Fenton moment. It was -hmm. like Mabel. Hey, maybe I'll cut back, <laughs> and she was having none of it um she doesn't want to attack the swan she's very curious by birds and wants to play with them like she is with squirrels and stuff and that's another story she caught a swir- a squirrel in the woods oh. the other week um didn't do anything with it just just pinned it down just wanted to play um didn't didn't attack the squirrels it were anyway um as she went off for this uh this swan I thought I've got to peg it now and it was unconscious mate i didn't I didn't even think I had the little bag of poo and I was like I, I, do i I didn't even think about dropping it or holding on to it. I just literally extended my arm and you graciously received Thank you <laughs> before <laughs> I ran and you're right that 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 is a bond that that only uh two dog lovers have, I think
1: yeah, and I just want everyone listening to know that's that's how tight Steve and I are um that's the energy we bring into every podcast and yeah things are a little dour at southampton at the moment there's there's talk about maybe we have a fourth change in in um, managers this year um there's lots of talk there's lots of excitement players are leaving relegation all the stuff that we don't like to talk about but we've got it out of our system and we're going to talk about the positive thing uh which is we get saturday off and sunday off this week which is very exciting so the the weekend can't be ruined really do you know what i mean it's not
0: Well, you say it? that you say that the weekend can't be ruined but with a match on friday night i think that's that is more ruinable to a weekend than having a match on say a sunday afternoon because you've already had half the weekend
1: yeah but you go to your little beddy boys and then you wake up in the morning and you go ah oh, it's not like ah oh, we've got another loss coming up today potentially um and then that and then Sunday there's just not enough time before you go back to work on a Monday so I I I feel like you get two mornings blissfully able to move on with your life whereas Mm. you know there's only one on that Sunday do you know what I mean
0: certainly for me it it helps in regards to not having to work at a weekend so I, I I'll get a little bit of um uh, leeway from the other half. Cause normally it's, uh, oh, I can't do anything at the weekend cause you're always working. And, uh, and, and now I, I have a weekend free. So for me, it will be great. I think we're gonna go, um, we're going hiking in, um, not at the weekend, the following week, uh, we're going on the 30th of April after the, um, Newcastle game mm. once, I think, I think it's the Newcastle game on Sunday the 30th. Yeah. We're going after that, driving up to Scotland doing some wild camping. So on Saturday, we're off out to buy the rest of the accoutrement that's needed for for camping. Um,
1: hiking and the word
0: accoutrement.
1: You've you've lost me there, but what did go through my head is the fact that you are going to be going up towards Scotland, so you will pretty much go past Newcastle. You might see the team bus going back the other way.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I'll give them a wave, certainly. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'm very much, very much looking forward to that. A little bit of R&R um, in the wilderness, phone's not going to be really on, just, you know, walking through beautiful hills and countryside and um, seeing wildlife and stuff. So I absolutely cannot wait for that. We've still got a couple of games to go until then. So there will be another episode. So I can can give you all the build up in in, in next week's one. (laughs) Um, And obviously the the debrief in the week following. Um, But Tom, we should probably move on to uh, the matters at hand. And just FYI, I'd hold your shit any day. Tom, Fecal Matters uh, put to bed. Let's get on to the shit that we watched on Saturday. Um, You were there, Steve. What was the atmosphere like? Because I'm curious because I
1: wasn't there um, because uh, I wasn't. I was in Brighton, oddly enough. I had things to do, but um, I would have loved to have been there to have that hope and then see it drained out of everyone's faces after half time but we held on for 45 minutes though it felt like and were the better team am i right in thinking that
0: for, for spells for the first half the second half no um the first the first half it started really brightly um i think that it was just another case in point of chances not being taken once again it's the same story every single week it It gets I suppose, for lack of a better term, boring to talk Mm -hmm. about because like having to do Saints Live on a weekly basis, it's I love doing it. It's a it's a great show. Offers something uh, for the fan bases, not just in the Southampton area, but around the world who can't who can't attend games and and give them a little bit of insight pre and post match. But I really have to give it up to the people who contribute to the show, such as Dean Hammond, Joe Prince Wright, Adam Leach, Paul Belveston, because I don't know how they continually find answers that sound different on a weekly basis because what we're seeing is just rinse and repeat. The first 15, maybe 20 minutes of that match were bright, positive, um, fast. Like Again, Southampton, almost like, you know, they took the, the previous loss to Man City and was like, you know, that wasn't good enough, especially in the second half. And so we're going to right those wrongs. And I feel like they started, you know, really, really well. Um, And it just didn't quite click again in the final third. Uh, What I really liked was Theo's movement. He seemed to be offside quite a lot, but he was really trying. He was constantly had his head up, trying to run in behind. I thought there were the really bright um, periods of the game. And not so much that clear-cut chances were being formed all, all the time, but trying to watch players off the ball and seeing what they were doing and they looked sharp they looked ready they looked you know they just looked on it and it just didn't happen again just Mm -hmm. not being able to take chances um, in front of goal and then we go into the second half and Eberici is a fantastic player and you know he was there with a poachers finish Bizzunu again didn't cover himself in glory by palming the ball out into the box Um, I don't really know what else he could have done it was a good save but as a professional keeper, I'm sure that you're trained to not put it back into danger. You're trained to kind of, if you have to make a safe, push it wide or, or push it back down. I don't know, push it into an area that's not going to be instantly attacked. And um, and that's unfortunately what he did. And as they latched onto it and popped it away. And then his second goal was brilliant. I think given a bit too much time and space, uh, but sometimes shots just can't be stopped. You just have to hold your hands up and say, that was a great goal. Um, it, it could potentially have been stopped just a bit more pressure from defenders, maybe give him a little nudge on the ball, a little shoulder or something like that, just to kind of put him off balance a bit. But he struck that so well. Um, I don't really think there's anything Bizzouna could have done about it. Um, and, and then it's two nil and it, and it just very much at that point felt like game over. Mm. It's, it's really
1: interesting not being there, getting your summary of, of what you saw, what happened? i I I'm kind of curious to know what the fans were like. Did they leave early? I mean, it, as you mentioned, it's the same thing repeated. Don't take our chances. Don't look like scoring. I, I'm curious to know why Ruben Seles didn't go with a striker, uh, which I found very interesting again. And oddly enough, we talked about it in the last episode that I didn't mind it against Man City, but against Palace, who are going to sit back and hit us mm. on the counter. And that's what the first half kind of looked like. Surely you needed a striker up there. I mean, Seiko Mara, I don't know if Ruben likes Seiko Mara. I mean, he came on and scored uh, the other week um, against Man City. But Tall pools there. We don't play in that style. I mean, can, can we not bring up Don Ballard? I mean, what? how are we going to score goals if we don't have a striker? It's really interesting what's going on there. But what was your take on it when you saw that the
0: team sheet? You know what I didn't think it was that bad. I think playing a rebo in almost a false nine I thought could work. I think it, it, it he what I think what Ruben likes to do is put pressure from maybe the halfway line forward with like all the like people like Al- Alcaraz. So you've got midfielders that push up high and press and can run in behind. And so when say Prowse can spread it wide, you've already got Charlie running in behind. So then you've got a, a ball on. Um and I think that's what he likes to do. But for Aribo is a strange one because when I saw him on the team, sheet, I thought, I know he's not played in a little while, but great close control. I think he's a skillful player. He's strong. He's big. He can work, I think, that that role really well of sitting in almost a 10 spot where you'd have wingers and an attacking midfielder running in behind and then he can look for a pass. It just looked a bit out of sorts. And maybe that's match Sharpness because he's not really been playing much. Mm. And for the player that we saw in the early parts of the season that looked promising, I think he is a shadow of himself uh, yeah. at the moment. I didn't see, really see anything from him in that game. Um, looked a little bit lost, but then I think quite a few of the quite a few of the players look lost uh, mm-hmm. at times. And whether that's just a, a lack of confidence at the moment, heads are down, almost a sense of realization of this is going in the wrong direction, and, and there's very little that you know they can do to rectify it. Now it's almost time is mm-hmm. that the, the grains of sand in the in the the egg timer um, are dwindling at a pace that's they can't stop almost. And we're just mm-hmm. seeing the final few ones trickle out. And it's like mental frailty though, isn't it? it they just look after that first goal went in for,
1: for Palace. You're like, there's no way we're coming back. Either we score first. I said it to my best mate as a, a Palace fan. I said, listen, if we score first, there could be a miracle. There could be a chance. If Palace score first, we are like, we're out of it. We just, we're, and I know people will say, what about the Tottenham game? We had Che Adams up front. And I'm not saying that he has been the savior in any way, shape or form, but he's just got a bit more fight. And when you don't have a striker, and I know that Charlie Alcaro scored that lovely goal against Mm -hmm. Leicester, and I think we're expecting that to happen week in, week out. But hey, I I just feel like the mental frailty that, that, oh no, we've let a goal in. Well, we haven't, we only scored 23 this year. Yeah, well, well, let's just let's just look like we're running about and, and putting effort in, but the huff and puff isn't going to get you a goal in the Premier League. You
0: make a really good point when it comes to like Saints going behind, because you you said it on the last episode was that you know when they go behind to Palace they won't score, and and that's what happened because Palace defensively were better. Like mm. they that they drew. Another thing you said actually was that it gives Saints the ball as well mm. for long periods of time, and they won't really know what to do with it, and they tend to play better when they have small opportunities in possession and play it really quickly forward and try and get a goal on the break. And that's why probably they've had better results against big teams this season than teams mm. around them or in, or in the, the middle of the table. And it just felt like that. It felt like Southampton had a lot of possession, especially first half and just are devoid of creativity and ability to be able to create clear, not even talking about half chances, where you just get a little yard and then you can try and have a little pop at goal. Theo blazed one over the bar. That should have been on target. There was another one where they played a lovely uh, training ground set piece um, from the corner and it went to Arebo um, and again, skied it from maybe 10 yards out. And you mm. think they're the opportunity, they were maybe clear cut and they're the ones that need to be on target yeah. minimum. We haven't um, done that
1: all season and, and and that's the frustrating part that you can see how it should work and it doesn't at the moment. And it's like, well ha- if I was Ruben selles or, or you were, you'd be like, What can you do to just flick a switch? That's what it seems like. It's we're just <laughs> we turn up, which I'm sure the Premier League are very happy about. Uh, we haven't down tools, but it doesn't look like it. The club hasn't accepted relegation. But there's just no way of igniting it. And I think that's what worries me for I see it as the inevitable Mm. going down is what is going to ignite this team. I look at that squad and say, they should be able to do better than they're doing, but what, what and who can turn that around? That's the thing that as a fan, I I find fascinating.
0: I wonder if in their heads, they think they can still almost play their way out of it. So in terms of like a style of play and like spreading, spreading the ball, almost to to tire or stretch the opposition by playing it from one side, back to Prousey, playing it to the other side, drive it forward, play it back, back to Prousey, spray it across the other side of the pitch, then get to the byline, then stop, then drop it back, then look for an overlapping run. You're like, making it's, me laugh, Steve, it's, because it's, there's no striker in the box anyway, yeah, so the defenders I mean. just stand still. There was, there <laughs> was, exactly, exactly. There's a point I was going on to because it, it happened with, I think, Sulamana. Um, uh, against Palace in the first half, and he got himself into a great position, and there was no one there. There was literally no one there to help him out. He had no help or service. And I think, like, I wonder if they're this style of play. They're still like, nope, we're going to stick to it. It will come good. We just need to keep practicing, practicing, practicing. And it's almost got to the point where just shove six people in the box. Like yeah. when you have it out wide, just everyone dart into the box and create havoc. And if the and if they break. Whatever they break, leave like two or three men back and then create a professional foul or something like that. You know what I mean? Just take someone out. But to score a goal, which is the one thing that Saints can't do, what has been tried and tested for months now is not working. So it's almost like how can you just go outside of the box, figuratively, not literally, and go, what will teams not expect? Well, they're not going to expect Jan Bednarek making a sixty-yard run and getting himself into the mixer. Like, just do that. Just do something that will create a bit of uh, a bit of havoc, a bit of chaos in an yeah. opposition's area. And if the ball drops, get big Paul in there, and all you do is look for him. Just get the ball to him. It just get he probably will foul most of the time, and they'll get loads of free kicks. But that one time that he'll be able to get to his head on it or chest it down, and you've got four players literally rushing in. Even yeah. if a player tries to clear it, it might bounce off um, a dozy's knee and go in. Like you just want something like that to happen, where you're just creating. Um, you've just got a menacing. I don't really know what I'm trying to say anymore. No,
1: time. no, I, mate, I I 100% understand what you're saying. The one time we get that ball in for tall Paul against West Ham. He heads it, comes off the crossbar. I don't know if Fabianski got a touch on it. You're like, well, that's what he's there to do. Uh, He's so tall. Get get the ball into him. And also, it's kind of reminiscent of the Kevin Keegan era where it was just all-out attack. Yeah, we're going to let goals in, but we're going to score some as well. Whereas Southampton don't look like they're going to score and look like we're going to let some in. <laughs> and you're like, well, that's that's not a way to yeah. get any points on the board. And that's how we're playing at the moment. And you said, think outside the box. Uh-uh-uh. The reverse opposite of that is think inside the box. Let's get some players inside the box. That should be the headline for Southampton. And you know what? What was interesting, and a lot of people have mentioned this, playing Jarebo when an opposition would be thinking, there's no way he's going to play. They didn't know how to deal with him at first, and then worked it out we need to be wreaking havoc of confusion and putting opposition under pressure of knowing who's going to do what and when because we're so formulaic at the moment. You, that is, uh,
0: there's a there's a shining example of that. I think second half, as memory serves, when Southampton would get a corner, for some reason on the right-hand side, Suleymane would run to take it. Now, everyone knows he's not going to take a corner so, what does Proussi do? Stands about 10 yards away from him. The Palace defenders go, Well, I know exactly what he's going to do here. He's going to pass it to Proussi. He's not taking the corner. So, all the Palace player did was stand like three yards off of Prowsey. And then Suleiman is like, Well, I can't pass you now. And then Prowsey has, to, and then it takes like 15, 20 seconds. And they're like, Oh, no, I'll just go and take the corner. And then Proussi walks up and takes the corner. And then they try it again where he does pass it to Prowsey, And then he's got a, a two. Uh, palace players on him within a matter of seconds and then the opportunity's lost it's it's, it's i can i can see what they're trying to do let's think that Suleman has taken the 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 corner or taken the set piece but all opposition players know that the only good set piece taker at southampton is prousy and if he's standing 10 yards away from the corner, of course, it's going back to him, so he can hit one with his right foot into the box from the right Swing hand it side. Yeah. It's it's so readable, but they continue to try it, and I just di- I didn't understand that.
1: When are we gonna tell Southampton just stop, just stop what you're doing, <laughs> and can we do something different? Um, it, it's been fascinating that, that to see the fans based on that Crystal Palace game. I'm not saying turn against Ruben, but realize that Ruben maybe isn't our saviour maybe for next year or, mm. or going forward and I think it's I will not say it's unfair on him but in this moment showing that your tactical prowess and knowing what to do uh, it, going forward I, I, I just feel like he is going to be maybe the manager till the end of the season or is he I mean that would be how ballsy would Southampton be to, I don't know, call up Sam Allardyce and get him in? Because it's working for Roy Hodgson and Palace, you know, old school tactics. But, you know... Seven think...
0: games left. Well, arguably tomorrow night, six games left after the Arsenal game. I can't... No. It's too few. It's too few games. I can't really see that happening. Do I think there needs to be a change for next season? Well, I think that's not a decision that's that's in our control. But I think after... I think after all the time that's passed so far... Ralph has still been our best manager this season. Yeah, it's mad, isn't it? I it's mean, it's I,
1: nuts. Um, just uh, hot off the press, um, Mikel Arteta has said uh, on Ruben Seles, I know the type of coach and the way he thinks, full stop. He deserves to be where he is. Which, uh, uh, When you break that down, is he saying... This is what I think of his coaching ability. He should be at a relegation team. (laughs) And that really, really made me laugh.
0: (laughs) Clearly coaches are sticking together. He's gone, you know, I know his ability. He's a great coach. He deserves to be where he is in terms of managing a Premier League club. That's clearly obviously what he's saying. But in terms of the words and taking their literal meaning, I can see what that that is obviously quite humorous. But... (laughs) Managers guess... are always going to back each other, aren't they? They're always yeah. going to say they they don't like this the sacking culture. I mean, I don't either, really. Right. I don't like managers just getting sacked on a whim. It's very much modern-day football fans saying, you know, you're getting sacked in the morning and stuff when results aren't going your way. Um, Ruben it's hard to judge. He seems like a nice guy, but I think he seems maybe like the player's pal rather than a disciplinarian and and that's when Southampton was saved a few years ago by Mark Hughes is that that he was a disciplinarian he came in and he wasn't there to be your mate he was there to get results and Mm. and again I don't I don't know what goes on behind the scenes I don't know what what's what it's like on the training ground but may maybe that's that's part of the issue I'm, I'm not sure um
1: maybe it's a culture change that that
0: is then required um for
1: Southampton going future, uh, for for Southampton going forward, that culture needs to change. Um, evidently because you know th- these are good players. Mm. I would say good. Uh, based on data this year, you go that's questionable, Tom. But the wages they're getting paid, the Premier League players, or are they? But whatever it is, is that the culture is 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 what needs changing?
0: Do you know what I've, I've the, the, the word fragile springs to mind and. I don't want to speak out of turn and obviously had to sometimes do have to be careful of, of what I say. But in my time working for the club, one thing that's been quite clear is the how the players are wrapped up
1: mm.
0: in in for lack of a better terming, in cotton wool, you know that when we did the player arrivals for Grimsby, Mm. i thought it went really well and i tell you what the grimsby players loved it when they came off the bus and they had all their fans waiting outside that they weren't used to that sort of thing and and, you know they they lapped it up even though they were playing the the uh, imperial march from star wars and stuff (laughs) like they thought they the rice smiles on the faces like they were just like you know this is great what a great day out like we're loving this coming to play a premier league ground um league two side and you, you could tell there was a bit of a connection there between the fan base and the players. And when the Saints players came off, now apparently, again, hopefully this isn't information that shouldn't be shared, but they didn't know that was happening. That that mm. whoever organizes this apparently hadn't told sec- the, the team security or the management that this was happening. So when they yeah. pulled up, they were like, what's going on here? Well, well the thing is, so just for uh, anyone listening, it's
1: about championing the players, the Southampton players, yeah. for all the fans around there. When the coach yeah. parks up outside the ground, an opportunity for the fans to get behind the players, and you announce them, and then they cheer their name. That was that was the intention, yeah. right? Good intention, positive vibes, yes, connect 100%. the fans with the
0: players. All exactly, all done in 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 the right spirit. And there was a selection of young fans to the side of the stadium, behind a little um. Like barrier um, and like putting their hands up for high fives and stuff, and 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 other uh, Premier League teams do that. It's done at Chelsea. It's done at, at City. They were two examples that we were shown prior to to how how they conduct their their matchday arrivals and and something we could aspire to. And this was obviously a test event for uh, a, an FA Cup game that wouldn't have a huge amount of eyes on it because it was it was Grimsby. How wrong they were. Um, and you know, it just felt like players just didn't care. It was like. Well, some did. Tell you what, some, like, Lianco loved it. He, was, oh, he yeah. was, like, high-fiving and stuff, and some players were getting into it, but I'd say there's a core group, and it's almost like whether they're not in it for, like, it's, it's hard to, to formulate into a sentence, but when you see people not maybe giving back as they yeah. should, it does make you think, well, what's going on in your head? And also when you can't talk over warm-ups yeah. pre-game. And they have to play a certain type of music And it's like, how can How can someone speaking over the tannoy During a warm-up Affect your warm-up that much That it could impact the game When during a game you have thousands of opposition fans Calling you every name under the sun Yeah, In my opinion, nonsense And then after the Grimsby result Apparently we Well, I say apparently We haven't done that arrivals again And yeah. one of the Excuses was this arrivals thing, almost like it put the players off. Mate, here's the, here's the
1: interesting thing. And I know that w- uh, we both walk a, a fine line or a tightrope of, of not saying it's not, you've just given your opinion on things there and you've raised the question. But it seems to be on social media of every club at the moment what players do and how much passion they give, especially for mascots and, and you know, young kids and whether they, just a high five is all they want, these mm. kids and the players walk past. And I feel like in the Premier League, there is, and I'm not just talking of Southampton, I'm talking in general every club, you know, players being so well protected, um, just, just, it loses that magic of like the players connecting with the fans. Mm. I mean, and I know that this is a bigger discussion, Tonight, I'm doing the Saints Foundation charity dinner with Kenzie Benali. There's going to be some ex-players there and they don't mind sitting around, <laughs> like chatting to fans. Sure, fans, as we all know, some fans can be annoying and yeah. they'll, they'll deal with that in, in the way that they've done professionally for years. You've also got uh, the players that aren't turning up for Arsenal uh, game, uh, Che Adams. Tino Livramento and Juan D'Arios. Uh, I think I'm pronouncing it correctly. Uh, he just sounds fun and it's a fun name to say. Uh, but they're turning up and, you know, they're not going to be part of the squad. And what we can ask and can't ask them. It's just, it's just really interesting that, you know, the fans want to have those players like Lianko. That at least show that passion, put their, you know, that love the badge. It's making them relatable
0: because 100%. most of these players, right? This isn't like Formula One, where most of the drivers come from money and they've been karting from the age of four and their parents are already, they're telecoms giants in other countries. Like most footballers come from ordinary backgrounds mm. and they've just been blessed with talent and skill and hard work from an early age been in an academy and worked their way up to the to the elite level right so most of these players when they were growing up were no different from the fan bases watching them right some of them maybe even poorer and stuff but Mm. it's almost like you you can see some people still stay in touch with reality but some don't and it's almost like i don't know if years and years of being spoon-fed gives you a false sense of reality and makes you almost feel like you're above society but
1: then again Steve I, I think I would come uh, my, my reporting and professionalism hat comes on at the same time the pressures are so big for these players and fans get on their case all the time yeah. and they're treated yeah. not like humans that 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 I guess the best way to be in their head is, I won't say anything and I'll just keep my head down. And yeah, and, yeah. and, and, and so it's really tough. And I, I think, as I say, the whole season has raised many questions about Southampton, the club, how it's run. There's another person high up that's uh that is re- leaving, uh, Toby Steele. There's change coming at Southampton, yeah. And I just think with this podcast and learning much about myself and about Southampton and me as a fan, that going forward. I want to know that the club is, we've we've made mistakes, address them, and then the club and everyone can can move forward. And whether that's players, recruitment, money, making them a bit more closer to reality of, of, of the fans, you know, those are all things that I hope will be addressed so that we can be a much better side on the pitch again. So, Steve, um, Mm -hmm. and everyone listening, that was a lovely little noise for Mm -hmm. me. I would like to now um, teach you a little bit more, uh, or actually uh, kind of take us back, learn a little bit more about Southampton. Today is episode 32, and uh, which player does that uh, represent, Steve? The Walcott. That is the current squad. Can you name the past two players to wear the number 32? And I swear, if you got this right... I mean, your knowledge, the the feature ends, basically. There is absolutely no need for this. Uh, you won't get it. Uh, he's now currently playing for Hull. Uh, he's played 38 games this season, four yellow cards. He's a defender. Um, he was part of the Southampton B team uh, and under 23. What year? Um, uh, this takes us back. Uh, he went out on loan to St Mirren. Um, there's been a few players that have done that, gone up to the Scottish uh, league uh gillingham uh he went to so 20 uh 20 uh that was the end of the loan and he moved 2020 yeah september 2020 moved to Hull. Defender. initials aj uh it's a tricky one adam joyce oh love it no alfie jones uh he was no. the last person to wear number 32 no, I before don't. that Olufela Olamolu, uh, an Arsenal uh, Academy player that Southampton snapped up and uh, never played for Southampton. He is currently at Worldstone. Wildstone. So there you Worldstone go. Wildstone
0: Raiders. You got no fans? <laughs> you want some? I'll give it you.
1: So those are the last 2.32. But Steve, I want to take you back to the 19th of April. Today is the 20th of April. You see what I've done. I've gone back in time to a nil-nil draw away at Leicester City. Claude Puel was the manager of Leicester. What? He used to be manager of Southampton. And the current manager that you've mentioned today already was Mark Hughes. But can you name the starting 11? This is taking us back. This is the era that you came to the club and started doing the magic work that you do. Can we start in goal? Uh
0: Fraser Forster. Oh, no. Uh Angus Gunn. Oh, no. Um Alex McCarthy. Correct. Right.
1: <laughs> We're playing three at the back. Uh one of the players is still at the club. Can sorry, which which year is this again? This is uh 20, uh 19. 2019. Uh, sorry, t- 2018. It was the 2018.
0: Okay. 19th of April. Uh Jan y- B. Correct. Um, oh, I think. Ah, oh, Maya Yoshida.
1: Correct, Steve. I'm loving this.
0: Um, and or oh. a defender that didn't necessarily sort of
1: do do everything that we expected him to do at Southampton. Oh, now playing. Yeah, now playing in the Belgium league.
0: I'll I'll kick myself, but I don't know. Initials. W H Ah oh,
1: Wesley Hoyt Oh he's got that it That knobhead Yeah <laughs> Smashed it Okay uh, Wing back on the left hand side and right hand side You've got an English
0: player and a Portuguese player uh, One of them is um, Oh bloody Why well, can't remember his name Guy went to Arsenal mm-hmm. Now plays at Is it Fulham He went to Yeah uh, I know It What's his that I can't remember his name Mate, I've put you on the spot here. Cedric Suarez. Cedric, that's it, Cedric. <laughs> Cedric Suarez. Um, right, and he was on the right, and on the left, Ryan Bertrand. Correct. Two holding midfielders in the middle. Aurel um, Romeu, James C- watt no. Oh,
1: no.
0: Oh, no. Okay. Oh, push oh, forward oh, no. at this stage. Okay. Aurel Romeu and... Oh,
1: sh- Still playing in the Premier League. Can I have a clue? Yeah, you can. Still playing in the
0: Premier League. <laughs> um
1: rumor has it that if Ward Prowse was to go to another club, it could be this club and he Oh, was... Hoybia. Yes, correct. Yep. So two players left, uh striker and a very attacking midfielder who um I think was phenomenal, part of the 8-0 drubbing of Sunderland. Score Uh, No, it wasn't b Scored at Man United. uh, A wonder strike. uh, Took his shirt off, I believe. Uh, Legend. Playing in the Dutch League.
0: An attacking midfielder. Yeah, international.
1: Has played up front for this club. Massive club in Holland or the Netherlands.
0: Oh, Dusan Tadic.
1: Correct. And finally, the striker. Um, Charlie Austin. He came on for this stri- striker. Oh. But, uh Gabbiadini. It wasn't Gabbiadini, come no. on mate. He's a Is sensation. It... Didn't score enough goals. <sighs> Didn't score enough goals. But, Michael oh. Obafemi. <laughs> <laughs> but this player was rapid. Um what a header. I mean there's a film that says white men can't jump, right? But every time I watched this particular player jump, I was like he is, inc- how is he getting up off the ground? He is incredible. Oh, Shane Long. Correct. The uh, salmon of, yeah. all, of all strikers. Uh, there you go, Steve. That takes us back uh, a day yesterday, uh, five years ago. So I'm quite
0: disappointed in myself that it took me so many clues and goes to, to get some of those players. You just forget, I think. There's so many oh. that go on the conveyor belt and you're just like, oh. Forgot I forgot they even played there.
1: I know. Uh, minus Wesley Hope uh, and a couple of others. I mean, the likes of Dusan Tadic back at this club. I mean, what what attacking prowess he would have mm. for this team. Some fantastic players there. 0-0. Those were the good old days when relegation wasn't really an option. Uh, after that game, uh, we were off Finished 11th F- that season, I think. Yeah. Uh, phenomenal stuff. Um, and the thing is, after that, uh, that was when... Um, uh, Mark Hughes had just come in, so we were off to Wembley. That was a semi-final against Chelsea. Uh mm. a couple of days after that. But Steve, I just took you back there in time. Little trivia, little reminder that Saints were a good side. <laughs> and we can Get back to that, if we all believe. (laughs) But if we do go down, Steve, there is going to be a lot of players leaving the club Mm. and there's been talk already about who's allowed to leave, who isn't allowed. Can we uh, let everybody know our thoughts on what's been going on?
0: Yeah, well, I mean, probably the biggest one this week is the reports that Prowsey has been told he can leave if Southampton are relegated. So we know that he's got admirers from around the Premier League, Teams have tried to get him in the past, and he stayed loyal to Southampton. Signed a new contract as well, not that long ago. Um, but apparently, yeah, the hierarchy at Southampton have said, y- "If we go down, we understand obviously how how good you are and how much you want to play uh, at the top level of football, and 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 they're willing to you know sanction a deal. How much that would cost? Do not know. Probably a few mil does get cut off your your price tag when you do get relegated. But I think everyone can." see from the time he's been at Southampton and especially the last few seasons, how how crucial he can be when it comes to set pieces and particularly free kicks, like giving him a free kick around the sort of 25, 30 yard areas, like giving any, anyone else a penalty, really. Um, so he will be a massive asset if he does leave for any other team. Spurs mentioned, um, Newcastle apparently are admirers, West Ham as well. West Ham, I think, would be a bit of a, a, a poor move. However, if Declan Rice leaves West Ham, you could see him potentially filling that gap. Even though he's not as defensively minded as Rice, I'm sure West Ham would put a player in as a CDM and have Prowse as a as a ball-playing midfielder um, to cover That would annoy Rice. me
1: the most. That would annoy me the most. Out of the teams you've mentioned so far, if he was to go to West Ham, I'd be like, oh, if we hadn't got relegated, there was no way he would have gone to West Ham. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly.
1: Aston, Aston Villa would be a good team for him with
0: Unai Henry in terms of where they're pushing. I think if he doesn't, if he does leave and it's not for a team in Europe, I would be disappointed. Mm -hmm. I think like at this stage of his career and his life, like you wouldn't, even if Southampton stayed up, I don't know why I went Southampton, even if Southampton stayed up, if a team from the Champions League or at least maybe even Europa League did come in, although Europa League looking like it's going to be Fulham or Brighton. So you probably wouldn't say them this season. But if your traditional European clubs did come in. You wouldn't necessarily bemoan Prousey a move after, mm. you know, being loyal for so many years and not really wanting to just have a relegation scrap every season. So Newcastle could be a really interesting one. Depends how big they go. <coughs> excuse me. Depends how big they go this summer with they, their mm. recruitment um, and how much they want to spend, um, how he would fit in there. Mm. But you can certainly see him work in wonders um, with overlapping runs from like Kieran Trippier. Um, you've got Alexander Isak up front as well. Um, Callum Wilson too. So that, you know, there's players that he's played with at international level as well. Um, Newcastle, I think, especially if they get into the Champions League this season, I think that would probably be the one that you'd think is the most what is the most likely. And also, it means he's going to play Champions League football and you can't really deny a player that.
1: No, you definitely can't. Look, I, I, I think the timing of it uh, it's always been speculation at the beginning of last season. Is he going for 50 million to another club? For me, I think it's, I think every player is up on, on the, on mm. not that I'm saying that the club is saying everyone's on the transfer list, but if you put in a good enough offer, I think Southampton would take it. I think he's been a great servant to the club and you know, go for it. However, I feel like he's pretty settled down mm-hmm. in the south. That's what I've I've heard many a rumor that he's very happy with his life down here. So maybe Brighton Fulham could actually work out for him in terms of a travelling. But you know what? Do I, you know I what? almost the... don't want to talk about it because it's it it's it's, it's redundant. prowsey has been a great servant for the club. If he stays, he'd be a legend and got us mm-hmm. back up again. But well, he's that's the other what... thing,
0: Tom. Yeah. Right? Is I was going to mention that is we've seen players go to either transfer to clubs in the championship and come up or indeed go down and stay. Now, it's a tough one for Prowse. I think if he was a regular England international, it would almost be a no-brainer. You'd think he's moving. He's going to stay in the Premier League, he's going to he's in the England fold, he's not really going to get looked at in the championship, but he's not really favored by Gareth. So, we've seen players and the one that springs springs to mind that I think has probably been a prime example of this is Ruben Neves at Wolves. Mm. Porto captain i think um playing champions league almost every year winning portuguese titles goes to wolves in the championship for for a big fee i think it was about 30 to 40 million pounds he went to them for um and you know stayed with them and now he's one of the best regarded midfielders in the, in the premier league i know he's a bit younger than Prousy but uh only by a few years but I think that shows you that, you know, you can go to the championship, you can have a great season, pull up some trees there and then get your team, you know, right back up. And Prowse could potentially be thinking that. He could go, maybe if a sensational offer comes in that, you know, will change the lives of my family and kids and whatever, maybe it's it's too good to turn down also European football. But he might also be thinking one season's not terrible. I will see now twenty twenty seven twenty eight. 27, 28. Think, you know, he can get back up and he can still have a career into his mid-30s in, in the Premier League. And then if they don't bounce back at the first time of asking, then he can move. But yeah, uh, yeah it's, it's a tough one. I don't really know what's going to happen.
1: No, no one does. I mean, he is 28. Uh, he's not the only person. We've got talented players, Kyle Walker-Peters, Romeo Lavia. They've all been spoken about of leaving the club. Even Tino Livramento, who's coming back from injury, who did have a good appearance, 45 minutes, and was was, was very good. Um, but what about uh, ABK? Is he another person that I imagine everyone wants to snap up international yeah, now?
0: Yeah, I'm a Bellicott chap. Germany um, international rumours that Clubs in the top four European leagues are looking at him. So you're looking at the, the, the top clubs in in France, in, in Italy, Spain, uh, other Premier League clubs, maybe even some in his native Germany as well. Where, where would he fit in? I, I'm not sure. I think, you know, top centre-backs are always wanted, especially young centre-backs. Um, I can't see him going to... I can't see him going to like a Liverpool or a City or anyone like that. He could stay in the Premier League, but I think he might have to go to a... I don't know. A a, Wolves. A a, a Fulham. A a Fulham, a Brentford. You know, it seems like that. And it's whether they're they're willing to spend that sort of money. Saints, I think, spent about 10 million on him. So it didn't really break the bank. And he's probably increased his value two or three times since then um, as well. So,
1: Brighton could work because of the, uh, Colwell, uh, the Chelsea centre back who with Chelsea and all their financial problems, if they don't get champions league, which they won't do now, uh, therefore they're going to have to sell that centre back. I could see him going to Brighton, uh, in an odd way, uh, Brighton are the, the new Southampton of old. Um, I can't begrudge him that I can't begrudge him that we saw, a, we saw a Brighton fan in Winchester when we were walking about yeah. and I even let into you go, what's he doing here with those colors on? Um, But fair play. Very good side. I wish we were a Brighton. Steve, we have uh, a few moments left on this podcast. I've called it. I don't often call it, uh, but I am today. We do need to talk about Arsenal. Is there any idea in your head that we will walk away with three points or maybe even a point? Can you see it? Arsenal won a title. Saints don't want to get relegated.
0: You know, I can. I don't think they'll they'll win the game, but I can certainly see them walking away with the point. We've seen Arsenal wobble at times. They, they they've been sensational this year, really, to to be where they are, and their squad. They have got a very good squad, but you wouldn't put it up there with the likes of of City, etc. I think, like on paper, Arsenal have, have have outperformed what everyone thought they would do this season. William Saliba might not be playing. Mm-hmm. I think he might be ruled out with with an injury for the game. They they drew two two with West Ham. Um, having having led the game as well last time out, could Arsenal be having that little bit of a wobble? Could doubt be creeping into their head? We we see how efficient City is, um, especially when they have to come and chase a title down. They've done it in the past. They've come from sort of eight or twelve points from behind leaders and and, and won titles on the, on the, the last day of the season. I think they actually did it against Villa, and when they trailed two nil um, at mm-hmm. Villa Park and came back to win the game. So, um it's not out of the question, a point. I think it can be achieved. That's what my heart says. Yeah. What does my head say? I think Arsenal will absolutely tear Saints apart. Mm. Martinelli, Saka. See, Jesus. Up Jesus front. is back. That's a massive thing. That's yeah. it. Jesus being back and he's already in goal scoring form for them. Having only returned a mere matter of weeks ago.
1: Oh God, what we'd give to have a striker.
0: Um, I would say on the fact of
1: being at St Mary's and watching the Arsenal game and how we battled back into that game, um, I think it was a Stewie Armstrong finish uh, to make it one all. There was a pigeon that helped us uh, putting <laughs> off the goalkeeper Ramsdale. So actually for me, and the fact that we manhandled, Colet manhandled <laughs> Jesus so many times and got away with it. Arsenal fans were so annoyed that day. I can't see a repeat of that. But my heart really wants us to go there to the Emirates and thump them five 0 and then all Saints fans are like, "What on earth is this?" And even like, um, it's Diallo scores like, mm-hmm. and we're all like, "What is this going on? Uh, what has the world come to?" And we look really, really good. Still go down, but uh, we just look phenomenal against Arsenal. Give City the title. And we'll be legends, then. That's the only trophy we could lift as being legends of of denying Arsenal. I just uh, think you've seen
0: Arsenal do it a few times where they need a result and they've done it late on. You saw, I think, was it Reese Nelson, uh, scored a screamer. Um, I, th- I think it was against Fulham at the at the Emirates um, to give them a win. We've seen them s- score late on Eddie and Kettier against Man United as well. So, the, and that was at the Emirates too. So you've seen, at, at home. I think they are a very different beast to on the road, mm. um, and. The way they put pressure on defences and are relentless in attacks, I just don't feel Southampton have the capability defensively to withstand that pressure. Yeah, um,
1: and I and I've been there, Steve, at the Emirates when Saints were beat six one. I think it was a rule, not a rule, uh, a fox. What is it? it sent a uh, left back. Uh Fox scored to make it six one. Jovinio was running a mock in our defensive area. But listen, um, I I can't imagine it'll be 6-1. We're going to sort of be deflated. I don't even think we'll score, um, but can we hold on to a nil-nil draw?
0: You just don't want to be embarrassed. I think that's the main thing. You don't want to be embarrassed and you just want to see a performance that shows grit and heart and that they want to stay in this division. Um, But yeah, it's not exactly the the kindest of fixtures that you want to see after losing to... uh, one of the relegation rivals per se and certainly a team that could be beaten and that many fans were calling a must-win game um to then have to travel to the league leaders on yeah. their turf it's yeah it's going to be tough
1: get Dom Ballard in the team i'm going i'm going to talk to uh, Ruben Ne uh Salas uh, tonight Ruben Neves uh, i'm going to speak to Ruben and i'm going to i'm going to say listen get
0: Dom in plant uh, that seed if he's going to be there just just plant it yeah. just be like Hello. Not a lot of goals at the moment, Ruben, is there? Just yeah. Dom Don Ballard. Ballard's putting them in so, for the Sorry, for the did I say Don
1: Ballard or did you say Don Ballard, Ruben? Good. Get him in. Thank you very much. Right, Steve, always a pleasure. Uh, for everyone listening, thank you very much for getting in touch uh, with the show. Please keep doing that. The socials are Steve. At we March on Pod should know it by now, but Mm. uh, I think I got away with that one. It looked like I was being professional. Uh, Steve, uh, thank you very much. Uh, We will say goodbye to everyone. We'll catch you next week. And uh, Saints Brass, you know what to do. Play us out.